You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. Great to be with you this morning, the very first day of a brand new year, 2023. I hope you had a great Christmas with your family and uh, friends and also uh, the beginning of a wonderful uh, new year together. It's great, isn't it, to meet together uh, on the first day of the year this Sunday. Let's uh, come before God. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks, because that's all we can do. Give you thanks, Lord, for each day, and we give you thanks for this uh, beautiful year that you have given to us, Lord. May, Lord, uh, we seek to love and to serve and to honour and to glorify you in 2023. Uh, May you, Lord, give us insight into your word and help us, Lord, to apply your word into our hearts as well as our lives this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Back in... uh, 1967 experts gave this fantastic uh, prediction about what's going to happen you know at the end of the 20th century you know with all the technology that was going on of course all the advancements that were happening at that time then they they just foresaw these wonderful developments that would happen what's going to happen to the way we work at the end of the 20th century, they were saying to themselves. So this is what they predicted, particularly you know, in the wealthy Western uh, part of the world. They said that we would only be working 22 hours a week. And in fact, we would only have to work 27 weeks per year. And the biggest problem that we would have would be deciding what we do with all of our fantastic leisure time. Well... I don't know about you. And I know some of you are retired, of course. But in terms of myself, I found that that prediction didn't quite, didn't quite make it. Not exactly how they predicted. They missed the mark, I think. <laughs> they really did. Uh, certainly as far as I'm concerned, anyway. <laughs> in fact, it seems, you know, the world has sped up so much, hasn't it? We're all so much more uh, busy now uh, than back in, well, 1967, if you were around then, as I was. Everyone is in always such a hurry today. Everybody, you know, people walk fast, they talk fast, they even eat fast. And uh, whenever you meet up with someone, you know, often at the end of it, they'll say, well, excuse me, I've got to run, I've got to get on to something else. So here we are on the very first day of 2023 and we are all wondering we're all thinking you know what's going to happen this year what's going to happen in 2023 will we be just as busy as we were last year will we you know make better use of this year that God this time that God has given to us you know and I'm just thinking you know when 2023 is over and when we look back on this year of 2023 you know what what's what are we going to think what are we going to say we're going to say it was a fantastic joyful year or we're going to have some regrets about 2023 well i think that this passage from ephesians chapter 5 and verses 15 to 17 
uh, tells us, it's going to help us as we think a little bit more about looking forward to the rest of 2023. You know, it's got a little bit of wisdom in this passage. A wisdom that we need for today. Now, prior to verse 15, we, we, if you look back a bit uh, over the previous uh, passage there in verse 8, for example, it says that before we were Christians, we lived in darkness. But now that we have come to Christ, we are children of the light. But we're still living in this world, aren't we? In this world that's morally and spiritually still in very much in darkness. And, you know, we're not here to have our light covered up by the darkness. We don't want our light to be blend into the darkness of this world. No, rather, our light is to stand out. Our light is to expose the darkness in our world. And, you know, by our light, we're, we're to let it shine in such a way that it will lead other people to Jesus as well. So now, we arrive at verse 15, and Paul says, look carefully then how you walk. You know, to look carefully here, this, this word here, it, it's giving that essence of exactness, of preciseness. Actually, it's an accounting term, uh, the Greek word that's used here. You know, if you're keeping uh, your books for a, for a company, you've got to balance the books. You know, the company's books, it can't be up by a dollar, it can't be up by a million dollars. It's got to be precise. If you're a soldier, you know, if you've got a minefield in front of you, you need to have a map of exactly where every mine is. It needs to be precise. Otherwise, you're going to have some trouble getting through that minefield. Paul is saying here that, you know, as Christians, we've got to choose our steps really, really carefully. Because we've got an enemy out there, you know, the devil. He's out there to put obstacles in our path, to, to put stuff in our way. He wants to stop us. He wants to harm us. He wants to do anything he can to stop us doing what God wants us to do in our lives. Because the days are evil. So we've got to pay attention. We've got to be alert. You know, Paul is saying here that, that to walk carefully in this evil day, then we're going to have to do three things. Recognise that our time is limited. We've got to make the most of the time that God has given to us. And we've got to understand what God, what it is that God wants us to do. In our lives. So first of all, let me look at uh, verse 15. We have to be careful how we live because our time on earth here is limited. And for some of us, it's more limited than others, isn't it? Uh, the older we get, the less time we have left. Psalm 39 and verse 4 says, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my day. Let me know how fleeting I really am. And then in uh, Psalm 90 and verse 10, it says, The years of our life are 70, three score and ten. 
in the old terminology, or even by reason of strength I may reach 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They're soon gone, and we fly away. I love those words, and we fly away. You know, when I was a teenager, I thought anybody who was uh, even approaching 40, let alone over 40, was absolutely ancient. (laughs) Uh, But now, of course, uh, with the passage of time, you see that everything is very relative, isn't it? Uh, Even a hundred-year-old doesn't seem that old to me. (laughs) How long will I live? How long will you live? Well, none of us really know that, but did you know that there's a website it's called Your Estimated Lifespan, based on you know, a bit of criteria that you chuck into it. You, you put in what your sex is, your race, your age, your weight and height, and education, marital status, your fitness and lifestyle. And I did this, uh, this one here, actually, a few weeks back. Now, I'm 63 years of age, and the lifespan uh, predictor there, it said that I would live to 85. Well, that's good news, maybe. <laughs> And it said that um, it estimates 25% chance that I'll get to 90. Now, it also said that I could add 2.1 years to my life if I exercised more. And in fact, because I'm a non-smoker, I've added 8.4 years to my life. But a funny one is that if I drink a little bit more... If you have at least one, if you have one drink a day of alcohol, then I could add another 0.4 years to my life. I'm not sure if I'm going to do that one, but anyway. <laughs> the psalmist tells us to number our days. So for me, this uh, wonderful life expectancy program here it tells me that to number my days, I've got 21 years, five months, and seven days to go, which is 257 months, 7,717 days, 185,000 hours, 11,113,000 minutes, or 666,778,000 seconds. So that's certainly numbering your days by the hour, by the minute, and by the second, isn't it? But the truth is, none of us really know how long we've got to live. None of us. None of us has got a guarantee that we will be here tomorrow. That's in God's hands. Uh, James uh, chapter 4 and verse 14 says, You don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a moment and then is vanished. You know, our time on earth here is valuable because it's so limited. It goes so quickly, so fast. So what do we do with the time that we do have here on earth? What we do with it is really important. Don't waste a single second of it. Now, secondly... Uh, where to make the most of the time and the opportunities that God has given to us. And that's a verse 16. And you know, the older I get, the more I am thinking that I really need to use my time really, really wisely. Because, I suppose, because uh, I'm closer to the end of my days than I am to the start of my days. 
I know I've got less time left than I did last year. And I need to have eternity in mind. So, you know, you try to work out what are the really important things that I've got to do in my life. What really, really matters. You know, you haven't got time to do everything. So you've got to do that which is important. I think uh, that Moses uh, must have been feeling that way when he wrote uh, Psalm 90. And that was uh, very much towards the end of his life. Now, he'd spent the first 40 years of his life in wonderful luxury. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He lived in comfort in a palace. What a life, eh? Uh, the next 40 years were somewhat different. He was like a fugitive uh, shepherd in wandering around the deserts of Sinai uh, Peninsula there. And then the last 40 years of his you know, quite long life, he led this rebellious group of a bunch of Israelites. Um, he led them out of slavery from Egypt and they were wandering around the desert and he almost got them to the promised land just before they made it to the promised land. And there in the wilderness, somewhere in that wilderness, Moses here, he's reflecting on his life. He's looking back and he's thinking, how quickly has my life run its course? And he writes Psalm 90. Now in verse 12, he prays, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And then he finishes with verse 17. Let the favour of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands upon us. Now, in other words, Moses is actually saying here, he's afraid that all the work that he's done in the life what does it amount to? Is it going to amount to anything at all? Is it going to be meaningful? Is it going to last? Is it going to uh, be of consequence at all to anyone? And he's really saying here, it needs to be, the work of my hands needs to be established by God. You know, without God's blessing on our lives and on our work, then Really, our work can mean nothing at all. You know, it'll pass away quickly as we pass away. Will it have any impact at all? Will it have any lasting impact on the world? And the wise, the wise one makes the best decisions of how we use our time for God's purposes. God is the one who will take our work and use it to establish his purposes. So the precious years that we have here on earth, how do we make them count for God? For God's purposes and for God's glory. To make our lives count for eternity. You know, we've got to be careful. We've got to think through how we spend our time. You know, what am I doing for God in my life? Our purpose has to be in line with God's purposes for our life, doesn't it? 
You know, Jesus lived his life. He lived it to accomplish God the Father's will, not his own will. Jesus said to the Father in John chapter 17 and verse 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. See, Jesus knew the Father's purposes and he lived according to that. To be like Jesus. Yeah. We've got to do the same thing that he did. Follow his example of how he lived his life by being people who seek to live a godly life, have God's purposes in our lives, not our own. But that, of course, is an awful lot easier said than done, isn't it? You know, one of the biggest problems in our society today is uh, there seems to be so much anxiety and stress and people are just so overwhelmed and overloaded in, in our community. You know, at first, people that tend to be so overloaded with, with commitments. You know, people commit themselves to so many different things. We go here, we go there, we take part in all kinds of activities, all kinds of social engagements. We're always so busy because we have something else to do. And the next thing you know, you're meeting yourself going in one direction and the other because we're overloaded with commitments. Too busy to do what's important because we're too busy doing what's urgent. Secondly, many of us, we're overloaded with possessions. We just have so much. You know, our cupboards are full, our garages are overflowing, we're going to debt just to pay for all these things that we simply must have. And the advertising just tells you that you need all of these other things as well in your life. You won't be the right person unless you've got them. Most of us have got way too much stuff. I think, uh, I think I'm one of those. And thirdly, we're overloaded with work. You know, we get up early, we work till late. Um, there's always more to do in terms of our work. Our work comes home with us. This is a big change that's happened, isn't it, over the past uh, a couple of decades, you know, the home comes work with you. Uh, at midnight, you're still getting emails on your phone. Your work never seems to leave you. And we have to work hard to pay for all the stuff that we believe that we need. And fourthly, we're overloaded with information. The great decade of the internet so fantastic. Do you know that the average doctor has got to read 220 articles a month just to keep up with what's happening in the medical field? And now we've got this wonderful internet, this super, super duper highway of information. But the problem is there's so much of it, it's overwhelming. You don't know what's right, what's wrong. You don't know what's useful. You don't know what you need to know. There's just so much of it. There's too much, in fact. It's so overwhelming. You, we can't absorb all the information that's flushed out in front of us every day. It feels too overwhelming. Now, I could keep going with this kind of picture, of course, but you get the basic idea here. There's so many demands on us, demands on our time, demands on our energy. There's so many good things that we can do, 
and there's so little time to do it. How on earth do I choose? Now, there are 8,760 hours in a year, except for a leap year, of course. <laughs> and we've already used up a few of them in 2023 already, haven't we? How do we make the most of the opportunities of the time that God has given to us? We need to make sure that we give the right hours that we need to give for God's purposes in our lives first. Not to just do what's urgent, what comes to mind first. We need to think and be wise about how we use our time. Do what's important first. Do what God wants us to do first. Put God first. And then those other things we'll, use, uh, we'll do with the rest of our time. Those urgent things. But do what God wants us to do first. Give that the first priority. Now lastly, in verse 17, it tells us, that we need to understand what God wants us to do and to be. First and foremost, you know, God wants us to please and glorify him. The Westminster Confession of Faith, the catechism there, puts it like this. The chief end of man and woman is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Glorify God. You know, God is good. God is very good. God is great. God is wonderful. People just need to know God. They need to see God in action, in your life, in my life. If people really saw God for who he was, they would love to know him. You know, everything I do, every word that I say, should show God to other people. God is good and other people need to see that. But we can only show God to people you know, to the extent to which I know God myself. So we need to be growing in our relationship with God. We need to know God more and more deeply ourselves so that we can show God to other people. We need to be people who are thirsting after God ourselves in such a way that everyone else will, will just see that and it will influence them. It will be significant to them. They will see how significant it is to us. So we've got to put sin to death in our own lives, don't we? As it says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Now, and how do we do this? How do we grow in holiness? How can we uh, become more like Jesus? Well, there's many things, of course, that we can do, but let me mention just a few of them. Now, it doesn't really matter how old or young you are. You've got to be disciplined in your life. 
You've got to have self-control. You've got to have discipline. That's one of the great fruits of the Holy Spirit. You have to discipline yourself if you want to be godly. Just like an athlete must discipline themselves in order to become the best that they can be. You know, an athlete, they set a goal for themselves and they work hard to achieve that athletic goal. And by definition, you know, self-discipline means that we're going against what my natural instincts or my natural body or my natural feelings or desires are in order to achieve something bigger and greater. Godliness in my life. You know, what are some of the spiritual disciplines that we need to really be thinking about, that we need to have in our lives? Let me mention a couple. Um, We need to take in the Bible every day. You know, why not make a plan to read the whole Bible uh, over a year? And, you know, if you can't spend all that time reading it, perhaps you could listen to the Bible. You could have the Bible... um, Uh, uh, read to you in the background maybe when you're driving when you're doing some work around your house and maybe too we could spend more time studying the bible in depth on a regular basis during the week set a time aside to do that and we can pray each day pray with with somebody in your house join one of the church prayer meetings why not come at 9.15 on a Sunday. Uh, Pray for people in the church. You know, you could just make a list of three or four people uh, from the church and over uh, seven days you pray for the whole church. And we could read some great Christian books to, to provide input, spiritual input into our lives. You know, we could make a goal of maybe reading a couple of books a year or even read a good Christian book once a month. And if you're not sure uh, what books to read, just ask others what what are they reading to help them. And of course, there's discipleship. Getting together with another Christian girl or guy, uh, someone maybe who lives near you, and you can meet up together, maybe read the Bible together, discuss it, ask questions, learn from one another, help each other in areas that you need spiritual growth in. You know, and we can ask God to, to help us to tell other people about Jesus as well. You know, we can look for opportunities to do that in our lives. It's not difficult, really. You know, pray before you go to visit someone. You know, that, that, that God will give you an opportunity to bless that person. And we, you know, we can bless other people, can't we? Just by helping them in, in a whole variety of ways, practical ways, of course, maybe a neighbour, someone in need around us. We can give people um, financially or in other ways, give people to, to bless them. And you know, when, when there are people who are, are suffering, we can be there to help them and to support them and to pray with them. And maybe when we are going through Uh, suffering in our own lives that can be a great witness as we're going through suffering and we're putting our trust in Jesus you know other people see that and that will really help other Christians it will strengthen their faith and and for people who aren't Christians when when they see you going through suffering and, and you have such hope 
and trust and faith in Jesus, that will be a great witness to them. A wonderful witness, a really practical one. They'll want to know why. Why are you able to do that? And you can tell them why. You know, I'm looking forward to 2023. Yeah, to see and to be part of what God is going to be doing here in this church at Pascaval Church of Christ throughout this year with each one of you. You know, being a Christian is actually a very exciting life because our God, he is an incredible God. And he's going to have his plans for 2023 and he's going to rope us in. He's going to let us enjoy being part of his plan for this year. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you for your love. Thank you for the hope that you give to us. Thank you for eternity with you. And so we give you great thanks for each person here this morning, Lord. Thank you for the life that you have given to them. Thank you for this year that you have set before them. Help us, Lord to live 2023 for Jesus. Help us to be not just his followers, but his disciples. Putting him first in every area of our lives and that we might draw others, other men and women and children, to come and join us following Jesus. We commit this year into your hands, Lord. May it be a blessing and a wonder and beautiful in each one of our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done and all that you will do in 2023 in our lives. In thy precious name we pray. Amen.